Welcome to the Now Leading Podcast, hosted by the Northwest District LCMS. We bring a Lutheran point of view to conversations on the art of leading as a follower of Jesus, through valleys, over peaks, and on the waves, following his lead in the great Northwest. Welcome to the Now Leading Podcast. What makes you resilient? Just think about that for a moment. Resiliency, it's this big word that basically means when I get knocked down, uh, I keep getting up. It means uh, somehow there's something deep within that keeps me going, uh, even when things are really hard. And there's a variety of reasons for resiliency, but we've all experienced it. People we know and love who seem to be resilient, sometimes we feel it in ourselves. Resiliency. This uh, upcoming interview with Amy Schwein is all about that. Amy's a DCE and the um, Director of Outreach and Connections of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Puyallup, Washington, and she has an interview with the Now Start Network that I'm pleased to share with you. Uh, this is a great interview because Amy's focused on family resiliency. So if you're interested in finding out more about what helps families be resilient and building new bridges in the community to help families be resilient, then this episode is for you. I hope you enjoy it. Amy shares on launching new ministries that support families with education, children's day camps, coffee shops, and more. She's building a one-stop community resource center for families, and she's doing it out of a congregation that doesn't have that many resources. I think this is going to be an encouragement to you wherever you are. And remember, resiliency, resiliency is not about when you fall down. It's it's how you get up. Listen in. Okay, we're ready to begin. Good morning. Everybody, it's good to have you here on our Now Start call. This is Saturday, September 16th, 2022. Uh, we're excited to be here with you. This is an opportunity for us to, to get together and, and talk about uh, new starts and vision for new starts that might happen across the Northwest District. My name is Mike Von Baron. I'm one of the cultivators for the Now Start Network, and we are simply a network. We're a group of people from across the Northwest District of the LCMS who are excited to see new ministries start and to support and resource those new ministries uh, with ideas and wisdom and connecting people one to another across the district to help those new starts happen. And so we are excited to have Amy Schwein with us today. She's one of the cultivators for the Now Start District, and she's our Now Start Network, and she's in Puyallup, Washington, at Emmanuel Lutheran Church. And she's with us today to talk a little bit about her vision for community <clears throat> resourcing and providing the gospel beyond the church walls in people's life in real and tangible ways, uh, both physically and emotionally and the way that that serves to bring the love of Jesus to new people. And so she's going to talk about some of her ideas for that, a community resource center, as well as what Emmanuel's already doing. Um, she's sitting in a coffee shop that's owned by Emmanuel Lutheran Church right now, and she'll tell us a little bit about that too. And so we're glad that you're on the call with us. For those who are on the call, uh, and many of you have done this before, and so we're just going to have a conversation between Amy and I for about 20 minutes or so, and then we're going to open it up to conversation from everybody on the call and you can uh, ask your questions since we are a small group on the call today we don't need to use the chat box if you have a question you can just speak up uh, but if any time in our conversation in the next 20 minutes you'd like to just pop in 
uh, feel free to do that too. That's going to work fine with the small call that we have today. So with that, let me open with a prayer and then we'll begin our conversation with Amy. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for this time that we have uh, to think about what does it look like to take your love beyond the walls of our church. Thank you for Amy's experience in that, for the passion you've given her in doing so. And thank you also for the education she's received that she can share some of with us about what her vision is uh, for the future of that. So we ask your blessing on our conversation and the discussion we have that it might stir our hearts and minds to where you're leading us in mission today. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. So Amy, I'm going to invite you just to begin by telling us a little bit about one, your family and where you serve at Emmanuel Lutheran Church and how long you've been there. So um, as Mike said, I'm Amy Schwein, and I have three kiddos. I'm a single mom to three kiddos. Uh, Casey is my oldest. He's uh, going to be 22 later um, or this next week. He is a senior at Concordia University in Irvine, and he is studying um, to be a DCE, um, which I got to be honest, was terrifying when he came to me and said he wanted to study and be a DCE uh, just because, you know, it's church work is uh, is hard. It's very different than when I started so many years ago, but um, God was very faithful and said, you know, I've given him a calling for this. Just sign on and, and let it go. And so he's uh, finishing his senior year and he'll head out to internship um, after this um, academic year. And then uh, Jason, excuse me, is my next kiddo. He is uh, 16 and he's a junior in high school and he wants to um, study culinary arts so he's a very very good cook which is a huge blessing to our family and also as a wrestler and track runner um, he does hurdles for um, Pell high school track and then my daughter shelby is 14 she's a ninth grader um, in our system that leaves her still in junior high but she's in high school sports so she's a uh, playing high school soccer right now and uh <laughs> Believe it or not, she uh, doesn't really like people, so she wants to be a forensic scientist and work with DNA and fingerprints and that kind of thing when she grows up. So um, those were our kiddo, my kiddos, and I have we have uh, three cats and a dog that we adore, and I've been here 27 years. I've been in ministry 28. My first call was to Trinity Bellingham, and then I came down to Puyallup and uh, started with a traditional role here at Emmanuel. I was doing youth ministry and contemporary worship arts. And um, after a period of time that rolled into uh, adding staff. So I moved into children's ministry and contemporary worship. And then um, again, some more role changes. And I started doing some outreach ministry to our homeless individuals here in Puyallup and to homeless families. And uh, so started some ministries that way. And then just most recently, I have been doing um, outreach to our community through <clears throat> various programs and um, ministries and using um, through the school district resources and, and doing some ministry with uh, people in that way. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, those outreach ministries, so whether it's the homeless ministry or some of these other homeschool networks. Uh, but this also led you into to seeking more education in this, uh, to get a master's, and you just completed your master's program in the past year. So tell us a little bit about that. What was the master's and, and what led you to it? Well, I had always wanted to get my master's. That was kind of always on my thing, list of things to do. I'm, I'm pretty goal-driven and goal-oriented. So I would, had always wanted to do that. 
but I was coming a time when my kids were getting older and I was like, gosh, if I'm going to do this, I maybe should do it. And I was also doing some reflecting if I was going to stay uh, within uh, working within the church. So I started substitute teaching and then went back to school thinking, well, maybe I'll get my master's in education, become a school teacher. Um, God very quickly reminded me why I didn't become a school teacher 20 30 years ago when I was at Concordia St. Paul, I don't like the, the, the same routine every day. I don't want to have to teach to a test, but I love to teach. Um, so I started pursuing a master's of science from University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and it's in child, youth, and family studies in the area of um, study that I was very interested in and ended up getting my degree in is family and community services. And yeah, I had, so I finished my thesis, my non-defended thesis last December, and then officially got my diploma um, just last, this last month in August. And so that was uh, really, it was five years of work all online. Um, and it was, uh, it was very, very rewarding. I'm glad I'm done but it was very rewarding. And I've even thought, well, should I, you know, get my PhD? And if I do, that'll be in family resiliency and how to promote resiliency in families and in communities. And, and that you got that at a, at University of Lincoln, that's that what you said? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so it's really looking outside the church to see how, how can we best resource families and provide that resiliency and some things that we might not think of within the church. Of course, we've, We've got the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we can bring that to families, uh, but there's a lot more to resourcing families uh, that can help us bring the gospel to them if we know these other techniques and tools. So what kind of vision has this given you for what resourcing families looks like in Puyallup? What's, what is the resource center idea that you have? Mm -hmm. Well, in, in working with my degree, um, especially because we're in the Northwest and, you know, we have the nun zone and we talk a lot about that, but we don't always think about what ministry looks like in the nun zone. Um, I at least can get siloed inside the church and think, oh, you know, it's just what's happening with, within these walls. But what that degree did was taught me um, that I... I knew a lot of things, but this, the degree gave me the evidence and the science behind what I knew and why I knew it, and then to be able to create programs. So one of the things that um, pre-COVID, but especially post-COVID is really missing is parent education pieces. And so the ability to talk to families and have um, classes, and it's such, I don't like the word classes, but it's, it's all I have right now, but education pieces, um, parenting classes, that kind of thing, to be able to resource families. Families are really struggling. I don't, it doesn't really matter where you're at or the age of your kids. Families are struggling with how to raise their kids. Um, they were so isolated during COVID and didn't have resources, didn't have a place to turn. And education has changed so greatly in our, um, at least in Washington state. And so there's not the same number of resources for families in the school system even. And so they're struggling. And so that's the, gonna be the first piece is parent education. Um, just in the process of rolling out our first class and that's gonna start with, um, uh, it's called active parenting and it's for preschool. We're gonna do the zero to five age group first. Um, mostly because we have a very large preschool. We have um, uh, 85 to 90 kids in that preschool. And so that gives me a large base to work with. And we have a lot of preschools around us. And so there's the potential to get a nice size class that is um, going to be able to 
have good conversation and and talk with one another is greatly increased when I start with that that preschool base. Um, and I know a lot of those families in our preschool and I'm watching them struggle. And again, that whole the whole idea behind COVID and the isolation that happened with families and the isolation of kiddos and, you know, is this normal for a preschool kid or is this something that I should be concerned about? What what can I do differently? And and you know, helping families figure out those kinds of um, things in their in their world. Well, you know, it's fascinating to hear you say that because a few years ago, before COVID, around 2017, our church, Holy Cross, brought in the principals from the four closest middle school and high schools to our middle school and elementary schools to our congregation invited them in to visit with our board of directors for an evening and uh, gave them a nice uh, gift card to a restaurant for them and their their spouses afterwards, just as a thank you for coming in and spend some time with us. And we asked them, uh, what is it that families that you're in contact with are, are challenged by? Because you're in contact with many more of the families in this community than we are. Now, what are their challenges as you notice them? What challenges do you feel you're equipped to meet? What challenges do you feel ill-equipped to meet and which can we help with? And so we just asked them those four questions and they answered what you just said. They said, parents need help parenting. They're struggling. They don't know how to parent their kids and we're not equipped to help. And if the church could help with that or find us a way to do that, that would be the best thing you could do for us, which is amazing because that's what you're talking about as well. So what are, what are your first steps in putting that together. You said you're getting um, getting a class started for your preschoolers. Uh, did you find a curriculum? Did you develop the curriculum? Where did you no, start? I, um, I don't really have time to develop curriculum right now, but um, I did, because of my studies, um, I was closely working with a lot of the cooperative extension agencies across um, the United States. Because this, the degree I, the, I got from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln is um, <clears throat> very tied to like 4-H kind of systems and um, county extension agents. So there's a lot of great um, resources out there. They are not biblical, but they're very brain-based and evidence-based. And then I can add the, the Jesus piece to it as we go along. Um, so that's, that's where I got it from. And yes, we're just going to roll it out and see what we get. Uh, we did a, a one night session last spring, and I, I, these are the ones that I, I would develop on my own. Um, and I got to figure out how to marketing. Marketing is like my big, my big downfall. That's that is not a, a gift of mine is marketing and and getting word out um, as far as mass getting the word out. But we did a how to help your kindy or how to help your preschooler prep for kindergarten. And I'd like to be able to do one of those every year um, and then do one for how to help your junior higher prep for high school, how to help your um, high schooler prep for college, and then do one for the um, empty nesters too. How do you become an empty nester? And how do you keep your marriage going when you're in that empty nest phase? Because um, we know that those transition points are crucial. And if you can speak into a transition point and you can be a resource for um, parenting, they're going to come back and ask other questions. And that's exactly what's happened. Even though we had a very small attendance at the 
how to help your preschooler prep for kindergarten. I get, I get questions now and I get questions from those attendees and from people who did not attend, but heard about it. And they're like, okay, so what you said about this and then how does this play into this? And this is what my, my um, kindergartner is experiencing. Is this typical? And um, so the, the after effects of that have been have been really great. So we'll do that again in the spring. And then I'm going to like to work with a couple. We have junior two junior higher two junior highs that are within gosh three miles of us. And so to work with those principals to offer a how to help your um, junior higher get ready for high school class next spring. And then just keep adding adding things. Um, finances are a huge issue for families, and so to help them develop a budget and a financial plan, how to get prepped for, you know, your, when you have a sophomore, what do you need to be thinking about to get them ready for after high school? What does that look like for you? What does that look like for them? Um, I'd love to do a, a series of classes on get a, get a box of what a family would get from the food bank and take those beans and say, okay, this is all the things you could be making. And I'd love to get a grant that would um, get, so I could purchase Instapots for everybody. <clears throat> First 25 families that sign up, get an Instapot and we'll teach you how to take what's in that box and make it into real food for your family and not just hand the beans or the rice back to the, the food bank because you don't know how to, how to cook it or what to do with it. That's, that's really a, a key thing, helping families uh, learn how to use the resources that are available to them uh, like because yeah. there are food banks all around that are offering these resources but families often don't know how to make use of it and yep. uh, end up just resorting to fast food or something like that because it's easier or whatever yep, absolutely. yeah so tell me this so some people might argue that well this doesn't sound like church stuff you're involved in this this sounds like uh something a nonprofit should be doing why, why is this important for the church to be doing it? What spiritual impact do you see this happening on the lives of families in Puyallup? Um, and, and, and they're absolutely right. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is something a nonprofit should be doing. Um, however, in our area, we don't have uh, any nonprofits doing it or doing it to this extent. So it's, I just, God has laid it on my heart to, to go ahead and, and tackle some of these, these uh, things. The, what it does do is it gives me, um, it helps me to, and my team to speak into the lives of people in real life places, because I've found that if I can't, if I'm not helping them with a real life issue, a challenge right now, talking about Jesus doesn't always necessarily mean anything to them at that particular point. Um, when we were doing homeless ministry, and the reason we're not doing it now is because of COVID and COVID has completely messed up our homeless ministry here in this area. Um, but if I didn't, if we didn't feed them a meal, I had a hard time praying with them and talking to them about Jesus. But when I fed them a meal and met that tangible need that they had, and then we, you know, had a place where they could relax, I could then talk to them about Jesus and they were way more receptive to it. And we're, I'm finding that exact same thing with our, um, our family ministries that we're doing right now. Um, example, during COVID, we ran a COVID camp and it was <clears throat> when I learned that the school district was not going to be opening to traditional school during um, the 20, start of the 2020 um, school, school season, academic season, 
I hired some staff and we opened what we now have termed COVID camp. We had, it was called remote action learning camp at the time, but we just call it COVID camp. But all those kiddos, they registered, they came into our worship area and they had brought their one-to-one -one devices. We did before school care, we got them on their classes, helped them do homework and then did after school care. And um, that rolled into 10 weeks of summer camp. And before I knew it, I was getting calls earlier this year saying, are you gonna do summer camp again? And rolled into 11 weeks of summer camp this year. And those are relationships that I have with people in our community, people who don't know Jesus. But those kids were coming into our worship center area, which is, um, we don't have pews in it anymore. We have tables and chairs. But those kids come in and they see Jesus hanging on the on the cross. It's a, I can't remember the architect's names, but it's it's up there. And he sees, they see Jesus praying for, for them and, and the beautiful, beautiful conversations. And then I have conversations with those parents. It doesn't always equate to them coming and sitting in our chairs on Sunday morning, but they know that Jesus loves them and they know where to come find answers if they're looking for uh, a more a relationship with Jesus. Uh, Garrett and I, Garrett's our senior pastor now, we did a memorial service um, last week Sunday for a gentleman in our community who he and his wife have over the years adopted like 50 some kids with physical and um, mental disabilities and the relationships that we have that I have that Garrett has in that room because of things like COVID camp and summer camp and the stuff that we do with people outside the community they're coming to us asking questions about Jesus now uh, we sit across the street from Cal High School those teachers are now asking me about Jesus so I get to share my faith I get to share why I do what I do it just reminds me, as you talk about that, of the way Jesus opened the door for the gospel in, in his ministry with people. It often started with healing the sick and taking care of their tangible needs, providing for them in some way, and then let, led into a teaching about the gospel and about faith. And that's, and that's what you're doing at Emmanuel, and it's so amazing. So uh, about how many people were in your, your summer camp this summer? How many kids? Um, we had anywhere between 20 and 35 a day, depending wow. on the, the day. We, um, we have a lot of families who are um, their The parents, one or both of the parents work for the school district. So um, we help, you know, we serve a very, very tangible need. They need childcare during late August, early July, and or excuse me, late June, uh, early July, and then all of August. So that's why the fluctuation of numbers. Um, and it grew this year from last year. We did a, a mailing to the school district and we got some new families. And uh, I anticipate that ministry growing every year. Um, and crazy enough, it's become a third stream revenue source for us. And so some of the stuff that um, I want to do this fall and the curriculum purchases and that kind of thing are coming because we made money on camp and we were able to set some side set, set aside some money to do um, newer ministries with. That was the next thing I was going to ask about how funding worked, but that's uh, exciting to hear that the, the revenue stream from that is actually providing for new and other ministries in this community outreach. And so these aren't things that have to be a drain on your congregational budget. Uh, that no. They can actually be self-supporting yep. when you engage in this kind of community ministry. Uh, tell me also about your congregation. Is the congregation supportive? Uh, tell us about their involvement in this 
Tell us also a little bit about the demographics of Emmanuel and how that plays into it. I know a lot of people who might listen to this call um, may be wondering, I don't know if my congregation could do that because of who's in our congregation, but just tell us a little bit about Emmanuel, about the place where this is happening. So Emmanuel has overgone a lot of changes in the last year, especially or the last years, and then especially post-COVID. We are very small. The congregation is supportive. They see that um, what what we're doing as far as these outreach ministries are um, are providing resources and are providing Jesus to families that may not otherwise um, even get to get to know Him. Um, I have quite a few of the the people who will come in and volunteer, like they came in and volunteered at camp or they did during COVID camp, or um, they will come in and help be like the host committee when I do a, a parenting session. Um, they're very supportive. Um, not, a, not everybody wants to participate and that's, I understand that that's great. I mean, these ministries aren't for, for everybody, especially when I talk about things like the homeless ministry. Um, but this, this version that God has put together right now in Puyallup at Emmanuel is very supportive and is, um, I used to, I used to say that I got in trouble a lot with my congregation and I did because I often thought about people outside of our doors before I thought about people inside of our doors and the culture has shifted. And that's a lot thanks to Garrett and his um, outward focus. And uh, so people are, are, are supportive and, you know, they, they look at it and maybe it's not their, their way of doing ministry, but they're supportive of it. You mentioned that Garrett's very supportive as your senior pastor. Um, I apologize for over talking to you. You mentioned that uh, Garrett's very supportive as your senior pastor, but you've also said that the previous pastor laid a lot of groundwork uh, for this kind of ministry too. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So John Bierman was the senior pastor when I got here <clears throat> and he retired in February of 12, but he um, helped establish a culture and a vision for where I'm sitting right now. And that's a coffee shop. <clears throat> and uh, the main focus of our coffee shop is to reach out to the high schoolers. And uh, so we have a and I am, I have, I've only in the past been the liaison between the church and the coffee shop. Most recently though, the start of the school year, I became the interim manager and trying to figure out what staffing looks like. Um, but we, this place fills with high schoolers before and after school, and it fills with junior hires. Um, and one of my big jobs this year with this coffee shop is I want to, I want to do a mission trip, whether it's to Mexico or someplace to do some hands-on building stuff. And I want the kids, the main group of kids to be kids who come to our coffee shop and who are customers here. Um, the Piau School District has a requirement that kids do <clears throat> X number of hours before they can graduate of community service hours. And then also they have all allowed the opportunity for kids to get a letter in community service. And so if they do 150 hours over the course of a of a year, they can letter in community service. And so to, to leverage those two things and say, hey, let's let's go do a mission trip together. And then I get to spend seven, 10 days with these kids and I get to rub shoulders with them and I get to talk to them about Jesus where they may not, that might, might not be a part of their, their vocabulary, but they know that we're a coffee shop. We serve good coffee. We have good drinks. We have, we're nice people. And now they, now they can discover why we're nice people and why we do what we do. That's it's just been a great call to hear about the, the variety of connections. Um, you mentioned 
that you're a small church. Um, mm -hmm. Give us a, an average number on Sunday morning for worship. 2025. Okay, 2025 for worship. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us, you, you said the coffee shop is filled with people. Um, think about your, your summer camps and the 20 to 30 kids there, your preschool, the kids there, the uh, connections to the parents and the parenting classes. About how many people from the community would you say that you engage in something? Um, it's, say a week when all those things might be happening. Um, four to 500 touches a week. Yeah, yeah, that's just amazing. Uh, and to think that a, a small congregation can that ha have that many connections to the community. I have a ton more questions I'd love to ask, <laughs> but I know, uh, and I can sprinkle those in, but we've got other people on the call and we're about time where we wanna allow others to ask some questions too. So uh, for anybody on the call, anybody who's been uh, thinking about things, comments you wanna make, questions you wanna ask, uh, feel free to jump in at this time. Uh, give me the, uh, Amy, this is David Reinke. Give me those numbers again. Attendance on Sunday is how much? And there, did you say 400 per? What was the uh, time, a week, a month, or what? A week, a week. A week, 400? Yeah. yeah, so we've got 85, I think we have 85 kids in our preschool right now. So that's that's a touch every every day that those kiddos come in. Um, and I, before, right now, we are averaging at the coffee shop per week in sales um, $750. And that's mostly before school and after school. And that's the high school kids across the street. And then the two junior highs that I referenced earlier and then church and then, um, other stuff that we do over the course of the week. Um, I have lots and lots of relationships with, um, school district principals, teachers, that whole thing. So yeah, we have a lot of touches. Wow. Amy, I've got a question here from Dust. He said he still doesn't have good sound on his end, but he wanted to ask, um, what have you found valuable about your partnerships in the community? Um, what have I found valuable? Um, I would say that I have found valuable the knowing the fact that we have we have answers to what their challenges are and we have the answer and so to be able to form relationships um in a way that um that value who they are as individuals and not automatically assume that because i know jesus i'm going to just rush in and tell you all that you need to know about Jesus without valuing as an individual and with your challenges, but that I can form a relationship with you and we can have conversation and then we eventually get to why I do what I do and that I love Jesus and that this congregation loves Jesus. I appreciate hearing you say that, that we have answers to some of their challenges. And of course we have the answer which is Jesus, but we also have answers to some of the, the tangible everyday things that they face that we sometimes think, you know, when I think about Jesus ministry and healing ministry, um, I think, well, I can't really do that. I can't go and heal somebody's illness. I can't open somebody's eyes who's blind. Um, but you're talking about things we can do. Uh, we can teach people to be better parents and, and we can 
help them learn how to use the community resources, whether that's food from the food bank or connect with, um, connect with uh, educational models in a better way. Uh, we can provide uh, some community service and volunteerism for their high schoolers to go on trips. And, and in the meantime, uh, just like Jesus said, we can, we can share with them and speak into their spiritual life at the same time. And, and so, yeah, that's just going to be reminded of that. Great. And for anybody else looking for that, if you go to the Now Start website and scroll right down to the bottom, you'll see all the cultivators information and connection information. And uh, Amy's information is there, email and cell phone for those who want to get a hold of her and, um, and, and just uh, ask some more questions and find out uh, more about how to start something like this. So let me uh, ask you another question, Amy. Uh, what challenges do you see still lying before you as you look at your vision for what this community resource could be for the Puyallup area? What challenges lie before you? Um, and, and then the second piece of that, if other people listening to this call are thinking, maybe I could start something like this too, what are some simple basic ways you would give them to say, here are some things I would start with? Um, funding, I think, is always going to be a challenge, um, just because my dreams are um, bigger than um, bigger sometimes than the pocketbooks. Um, but God has been so very faithful, so funding continues to be on that. And then just reaching out for other sources of funding. So I'm just starting to get into the grant writing world and have a. Uh, a good friend who there's a community center that's similar to what I want to start, but yet different up on a little ways away from us here. It's a Mountain View Community Center in um, Edgewood. You, so between you um, and David Reinke, between you and us, um, and she does grant writing. And so she's helping me to get started in that world, which is a whole nother different worlds that I have not, I have no idea about. Um, and the, the answer to your second question is the relationships. If you don't know the people that, if you don't know the principals, even if the schools are three miles away from you, if you don't know the principals of those schools, get to know them. Um, Mike, when you said, you know, they, you had that outreach effort with the principals and you brought them in and asked them those questions. That's fantastic. Cause they, they, those, they see a ton. Those principals see a ton. They see from the very highest achieving families to the, the families that need the most resources. And they're going to be honest with you. Um, they may not be honest with you right away because it, it can be scary for someone it potentially could be scary for someone who doesn't have a faith background to being asked by questions by a church body, but when they see your consistency and the fact that you really do care about them, um, it's it's amazing what can happen. And I'll take the principal across the street um, at the high school here. He and I have a great relationship. I'm also the parent um, president of the booster club that services the high school. So that's different than my job, but yet he knows that I care deeply about this community. And um, while I think he has a little bit of Jesus in his background, it's, it's certainly not practicing right now, but he and I can have amazing conversations. And, um, you know, and I don't, I don't know if he'll ever come sit in our chairs, but he knows that if something happens, um, he can call us and that he can have a conversation with me. Um, and so those relationships are so crucial. And before 
anything, get to know your school district, get to know the teachers, the principals, whomever. Those are going to be key to starting this kind of a ministry, reaching out to families and, and doing resourcing of families in your community. Amy, that's great. I think a little bit of Jesus sounds like a great song title. I'm going to work on it. I'll get back to you on it. Okay. <laughs> Got a little bit of Jesus, not too much. Oh, a little bit of Jesus. Dun, dun, dun. Thanks, David, for giving us a little music. <laughs> uh, Amy, I, I just really appreciate that advice to, to one, to seek out those, uh, those school administrators, school teachers to be involved in the schools. And then once they see your consistency and that you care for the children and families that they're serving, that you don't have another angle to this, uh, then they're willing to open the doors and, and invite you to help in many ways. And we found that too with the schools that are near us. And so um, that, that certainly is a great, a great place to start. Um, Dust had one more question that he wanted to put before you. And that is what gave you the heart for this ministry? Where does that passion come from? Um, that is God only. I, there's, there is no reason, logical reason whatsoever that I should have a ended up at Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota. I am born and raised on a farm. My parents are farmers. Um, I went to Concordia University because I was going to get a psychology degree. And I ran from God for three years. I knew when I was a freshman, I was supposed to be studying church work. I didn't know what that looked like. I came from a very small congregation, um, even smaller than the one I serve. And, um, but I ran from God. There's, there is no reason other than God that I'm doing what I'm doing. And there is no reason other than God that I have this passion. Um, and the, I, I denied it for a lot of years, even here, um, partly because I didn't want to, I didn't want to stir the pot. I didn't want to stake, I didn't want to shake the status quo. But when I started working in the homeless, um, the homeless realm, I knew that I was supposed to be doing something besides just ministry within the church walls. And I, and God just gave me the courage to bust out and, and to, to continue to pursue it. Um, and I have gotten in a lot of trouble over the years, um, but that's, now I've gotten used to it and I'm like, okay, well, there's another opportunity for me to get in trouble. But also people know that even though I, you know, I'm shaking things up and I may be looking to do things differently, that there's a reason behind why I want to do things differently. And it's so that people get to know Jesus. I appreciate you talking about courage because it takes a lot of courage to step out beyond the walls of your church and interact with the community uh, for the sake of Christ. And I also appreciate you just sharing um, how you got into this, the Lord's call and bringing you from a very small rural congregation uh, to doing this kind of community ministry. It's really significant because um, we probably have people who are gonna listen to this call who, who either are thinking about how is God calling me to serve in ministry in some way, um, or they know somebody who they can encourage. It's a part of leadership development to just encourage other people and letting them know, yeah, that there is a role for you in ministry. And even if you're not uh, gonna be a professional church worker, there's ways that you can be a part of ministry as a ministry leader. So uh, tell me about how you identify that in people um, 
what do you look for in in young people to encourage them to follow that path that the Lord's led you down? I love this question because one of my greatest um, joys right now is working with um, Gen Zers. I I didn't appreciate millennials, but I really appreciate these Gen Zers. Um, and no offense to any millennials if you're listening, it just was it just was a they just came up life differently. Zers, um, there's an openness that is there's there's an openness to potentially too many things as they have the world before them. And with social media, they have access to so much more than even 10 years ago. But because they are open, it gives me a greater door to just have conversations with them. Um, And I'll take like my camp staff that I had, and I tend to hire um, people that normally wouldn't get hired by other, other, other places. Example, I am for camp. The first year we ran it, I had a former homeless woman who she, she came through our homeless ministry and with um, the many resources that that homeless ministry offered, uh, including the space that we had when we offered um, housing uh, on cold nights, combined with lots of other different things. But we were her first job coming out of addiction and homelessness. She worked for camp. Um, I hired a young girl who's a preschool alum and um, has some learning disabilities, but wants to work with kids, doesn't really know how to go about it. But I hired for a camp because I can see something in her. And so to be able to have those conversations and say, I see something in you, you have the ability to teach, you have the ability to work with kids, you have the ability to pour a really great shot of coffee. Um, So that this, this is generation Z, they are, they're really great. They're open. And so it's our job as the church. It's our job as people of God to be giving them options to say that the world's going to offer you this, but I'm going to give you this. And here's, here's why this is so much better. Plus I'm going to give you some tangible work experience in the process. Yeah. I love that, Amy. Thank you. And thank you for uh, just reminding us that we all need to be watching and, and be ready to say, I see in you, which is something that's been a part of the Northwest District's leadership initiative for the last year. And I just appreciate you encouraging us in that to be watching out for that. This has been a great call. We've, we've talked about so much uh, from, from your background uh, to what a little church can do to impact the community, uh, to the ways that we can supply uh, the challenges that people are facing with their kids, with their families, uh, by simply providing them some education and being parents and and bringing them Jesus along with it. That there's so much that we've covered in the last 45 minutes. It's been a wonderful conversation. Uh, any last thoughts you want to put in uh, before we we round out for today? Um, just to to take that step of faith. Um, I waited. I waited too long. Um, and God, it's all worked out in God's timing, but there were, there were points that I was supposed to be doing stuff before I, I took that first step of courage and, and worked to start the homeless ministry. If God is calling you to do something, you need to do it. And you, you, you gotta just take that step of faith and, and be courageous about it. And, and, um, and I didn't always have the backing. I didn't always have, um, I didn't always have you know, a ton of people standing behind me, but I had enough people to know that if God's calling you to do it, you're supposed to do it and take the courage and take the step of faith and do it. And, and he'll supply what you need to make yep. it. Yep. Amy, it's been such a privilege to work with you the last couple of years. Uh, 
as a cultivator of co-cultivators in this Now Start network. Um, as we close, I just want to let everyone who might be listening to this either now or in the future uh, know what the Now Start network is. Uh, we are, are not a funded organization. We, we don't raise money. Uh, we're not, there's nobody on payroll. It is just a network. It's a connection of leaders throughout the Northwest District who are concerned to bring the gospel in new ways to new people uh, by supporting and encouraging new ministry starts, whatever that looks like, whether it's a community ministry like we've been talking about today, or it's a new church plant, uh, whatever is, is on your heart to start, we want to support and encourage you in doing that by helping you make connections to other people in the Northwest District or throughout our church body or even outside of the LCMS who have done something like what you're thinking of and uh, connecting you to those people who can give you resources, encouragement, and support, and wisdom, advice for how to take the next steps to make it happen. Uh, we also have a lot of connections uh, to the Northwest District of the LCMS, which has been very supportive of this Now Start Network, even though uh, they did not start this network. They've been very supportive, and, and there are grant opportunities through the Northwest District to help your new start get off the ground there's faith in communities grants that can help with the funding of, of personnel for a new start uh, there's also uh, the catalyst grants that can help with you just listened to the now leading podcast hosted by the northwest district lcms leadership conversations from a lutheran point of view for christian leaders of all kinds take a moment after this podcast and with everything you've just heard in mind consider at least one action you will take then go and make it happen.